It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome in to the Lockdown Wolves postcast. We are live following a comeback Timberwolves victory over the New Orleans Pelicans in New Orleans. Jack Borman from Cadiz Supis joins me as we break down the victory on the postcast. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Wolves postcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Filling in for Luke Inman today on the postcast, and I'm joined by Jack Borman from Canis Hoopis. And let's talk Wolves Pelicans. Jack, plenty of, uh, I, I don't know, we talked briefly before going live here. There's, there's, uh, this was disjointed, I think, to say is probably, if I could pick one word, I would describe this game as disjointed. Um, but the Wolves, after trailing for the majority of the game, as many as I think 14 with about eight minutes, seven minutes to go in the game, they ultimately come back, win on a Carl Anthony Towns go-ahead shot in the final 10 seconds and end up with the win over a shorthanded Pelicans team on the road. Yeah, I mean, this game just didn't really have any kind of rhythm to it. Um, you know, it felt really similar to that Spurs in-season tournament game where you, you just kind of were waiting for the talent of the Wolves and the depth of the Wolves to win out. Um, but this one, they really looked down and out, um, more so than than in, you know, any of their – I mean, pretty similar actually to that, that Warriors game against that that shorthanded Warriors squad after the, the fight. Um, you know, where the Timberwolves, you're just kind of waiting for them to make a push, and they finally did in that third quarter. But, um, again, just kind of let their foot off the gas, and it was, you know, part of a, a recurring problem that their their offense just didn't really have any rhythm, and, and that really started right away in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, I, I was – prepping for this and and had if i'm being transparent started to make up the the graphic with the rundown for this and i was i wanted to talk about the the um the sloppy offense and the inconsistent defense which is we haven't had to complain too much about the defense of course except for the the phoenix schedule loss on wednesday um but i, I guess i want to start there because the beginning the first quarter just wasn't good in general i think the Wolves were like down six at the end of the first but the second quarter the offense got tra- on track a little bit and the defense just never really felt ever in this game until the final handful of Pelicans possessions. I guess in general, they did a good job on Brandon Ingram in the fourth quarter, but they really struggled early in the game with uh, number one, the pick and roll game from, from new Orleans and related to that Jonas Valanciunas's physicality in this game. Valanciunas is a player who going back to his days in Memphis has often given the wolves trouble. Didn't in the first matchup this season really against the Pelicans, but um, his physicality combined with how good, uh, the, the Pelicans are with their pick and roll. The Wolves really struggled to guard it early. And that's what I, I think really what put them in a hole early. Yeah, no question about it. You know, I think that, you know, it was something where, um, you know, I was pretty surprised that the Carl Anthony Towns didn't guard Valanciunas um, to, to start out with. Um, but I, I know we know that Valanciunas has given Kat some foul trouble issues in the past. So that, that could have been part of it, but I, I thought it was a good kind of opportunity to run that, that Denver defense where they've kind of spied Rudy off of, of Herb Jones. But of course, Herb Jones made like three threes in the, in the first half, but yeah, I think that the Timberwolves have just been slow with their perimeter defense. They've had a, a tougher time getting around screens, um, you know, and they've they've really been kind of in no man's land with that that low man out of the corner where uh, they haven't really, you know, s- sunken in far enough to to really tag correctly and, and help and enforce the ball out of the ball handler's hands. 
um, but they weren't really staying home on shooters enough where um, they could take away that pass to the corner. And that really, you know, plagued them early on in the first quarter. Um, and then, you know, when they, they finally made a couple of, of corner threes, the Pelicans, and then the Wolves, um, you know, just stayed home on shooters and, and were giving up wide open mid-range looks. Um, and the Pelicans have a lot of a lot of guys uh, that, that can do damage in the mid-range. We saw especially from Dyson Daniels uh, got in there, you know, with that floater and, and Ingram got to it early. And then Valanciunas, I think, made eight or nine, um, you know, mid-range shots, which was which was pretty impressive from him. But, yeah, I think that, you know, the teams are really going to try to set high ball screens. We saw it in that Phoenix game, too, where. You know, they're just going to get down into the middle of the floor and, and kind of test test the Wolves' drop defense, especially if Carl Anthony Towns is playing the five, and he really struggled in that role in the second half of that that first quarter, um, you know, in that, in that drop big, you know, coverage. And and that's why, you know, the Timberwolves went away from it when Carl was playing the five later on in the game. They went to his zone, which I yep. thought was a, a pretty important way of uh, of kind of serving as an antidote to that, uh, that attack that the, the Pelicans had there. Yeah, the Wolves even played some zone, like, basically crunch time in the fourth quarter, which was surprising. And we hadn't seen a whole lot of that early this year. It was kind of the the non-Rudy, you know, defense. And then the Wolves were even doing that with Rudy on the floor late. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, I guess on the flip side, offensively, um, another thing we're seeing teams do is just put a ton of pressure on the ball when Mike Conley is not on the floor. And this is, you know, especially with no Jordan McLaughlin available, not that Finch would always go to him, but that would be an option. It's Shake Milton and it's Nikhil Alexander Walker. And and I know the Wolves swore up and down before the season that, hey, Shake Milton is a point guard. We think he's a point guard. I mean, he's not a natural point guard. And yes, he can handle the ball. So can Nikhil Alexander Walker, but they don't handle pressure in the same way. And it just kind of, even if you're not committing turnovers in the backcourt, which is, you know, when it's obviously a factor, it still kind of can discombobulate the offense. And and the Wolves' offense, with this is related conversation, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards were both in foul trouble. Uh, for the entirety of the game, and Ant, of course, fouled out late. Um, but when neither of them were on the floor, uh, second quarter, uh, we saw it a little bit, end of the third, I think maybe early fourth quarter, the Wolves' offense has basically no flow right now. And um, and part of that is is due to not having a point guard. And opposing teams are like, hey, let's put as much pressure on the ball as we can and try and get them out of sorts. And I thought the Pelicans did a pretty good job of that. We saw the Wolves struggle offensively early in this game. And then for stretches, really kind of end of the third quarter was, you know, the Wolves played pretty well first part of the third quarter and then things fell apart. A lot of that was due to just not handling that pressure very well from New Orleans. Yeah. And what I thought was a really important way of the Wolves kind of fighting back against that was they, you know, tried to get the ball handlers going east to west a little bit and try to, you know, flow the ball into the corner that left, left, you know, left mid post up for, for Carl. And then you had Kyle Anderson kind of sitting there at the nail waiting for, for, you know, if Carl needed to make an outlet pass and then, um, and then you can get Anderson on the skip to the corner, the opposite slot. Uh, and that was really effective. I mean, Carl, I think scored, uh, scored three or four times kind of in that mid part of the second quarter, once they started feeding him the ball, you know, early in the shot clock as a way to kind of get off of it early and prevent the Pelicans from, from swarming them up top. And and that was something that I think is, is, you know, is going to be something that Chris Finch comes back and looks at the film at this and, and keeps in his back pocket of making sure that when Carl posts up that you can have, you know, Kyle as an outlet as well as a shooter in the opposite corner. Um, yeah. But I, I think it just kind of speaks to the, the general issue that this Wolves team has right now of, you know, they've been making really lazy first passes of the possession that get deflected. And then, you know, it's all of a sudden there's 15 seconds on the shot clock and you haven't really done anything with the possession. 
And then whatever play you had called or whatever kind of you know action you wanted to flow into, that flow is gone. And so then it kind of becomes an ISO ball and people are standing around and then maybe it's a pass here and a pass there. And there's two or three seconds left in the shot clock and someone has a grenade. And we saw that way too much in the first um, the first half of this one. And uh, I think it's just you got to get the ball to your stars and scoring positions before 18 seconds on the shot clock. And, um, you know, when the Wolves offense plays really well, that's what happens. You know, it's Carl Anthony Towns at the nail. It's Anthony Edwards. Uh, getting a high ball screen. It's it's Jaden McDaniels in the corner to go, you know, isolate against a smaller defender. It's it's all those types of things that kind of lead to this early successful, you know, you know, high tempo, high pace scoring that we can see from the Timberwolves at times. Um, and it just looks really ugly when when it's not there. Yeah, I want to talk in a minute here. I want to talk more about um, the fourth quarter general and and the close for Carl Anthony Towns. But let's talk about Ant's game first. Um, his was a bit of a roller coaster game in my mind where he's had a couple of rough performances recently and we've seen the shooting percentages, especially the three point percentage come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, but then in this game, he I, it didn't feel to me. I didn't look at the box score until the end of the game. I was surprised he he launched 10 threes in this game. It felt it didn't. And he didn't attempt a single free throw, by the way. So, again, like 23 points on, on 19 shots. Fine. You know, five made threes. That's great. Um a team for what it's worth. I don't like individual player single game plus minus, but he was a team best plus 13, but he also fouled out. He didn't get to the line at all. He turned it over um, three times to only four assists. He fouled, you know, he committed that foul when Brandon Ingram only made the one of two, uh, one of two free throws at the end of the game when Ant, uh, he committed that foul. Then he fouled out after that, or that was his sixth foul, I should say. Um, so really an up and down performance from Ant. And I thought he in general played okay. It was just, really volatile and offensively it was we've seen so many more mid-range jumpers from him recently but in this game it was a lot it was a lot more from three-point range I guess we did really see you know there were a few mid-range shots mixed in there it's just a weird ant performance and you know it was enough obviously for the wolves to win um but clearly more consistency from him moving forward would be would be ideal yeah, I think it was kind of the third straight game that he's been really disengaged on both ends of the floor um I really only saw one possession where Ant really cared defensively, and that was the possession that he fouled out when he very obviously told Jane McDaniels to go guard someone else and that I would guard Brandon Ingram. Um, but, yeah, offensively, you know, it was one of those games where, you know, another game, really the third game in a row where Ant has seen the the hard hedges of the showing two on the on the high ball screens, um, you know, in the slot that he gets from from Gobert all the time, and and he just got really passive again. It just felt like he he really was only willing to to shoot catch and shoot threes, and then um, you know once he finally got back into the game uh, in in the fourth quarter, it was just like this insane tunnel vision that we saw from him in like the first you know three or four minutes of that quarter, where you're just like, man, what is going on with Ant? Um, and I thought that the play that really changed everything for the Timberwolves was when Carl Anthony Towns had a had a pretty open three at the top of the key, and he decided to to make the extra pass to Ant and kind of help him get in a rhythm that, um, you know, I think really kind of, kind of flipped the script for Ant and got him more engaged with the game. And um, obviously saw that one go down and, and got the wolves within one, I believe, um, which was really important. I just think the biggest thing for Ant is uh, he's got to find a way to impact the game when he doesn't have the ball in his hands offensively. Um, and he hasn't done that this year. Um, really for the most part, he hasn't cut a whole lot. He hasn't been setting screens for other guys. You know, I think, a really interesting action that we haven't really gotten too much is getting a, a you know kind of an inverted pick and roll where Ant sets a screen for Cat where they can force a switch, um, you know a double switch potentially, and then they both have a mismatch and it's just whoever 
you know, can get positioning. Uh, they just haven't really found a way to, to, to be able to involve Ant when he's this passive as a ball handler. Um, you know, and credit to Ant for, you know, for being able to come back in after that third quarter and, um, and, and kind of find his, you know, his, his game and, and be able to impact the game as a scorer. But, you know, I'd be interested to hear your take on this, but I thought Chris Finch made a huge mistake, not challenging Ant's fourth foul, that charge on Cody Zeller. That was very clearly a blocking foul um, on the replay. And, and New Orleans went on an 8-0 run immediately after Ant checked out yep. of the game there. And I thought that would have been kind of the biggest decision that led to a Wolves loss here. But um, you know, when it's, when it's your best player like that and he's not playing super well and you kind of got to find a way to get him in a rhythm again, like you got to kind of stick up for your guy a little bit there, I thought, especially on, on such an iffy, iffy call there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was, um, it, well, it, it almost kind of felt like we've seen, we see this all the time, but, uh, more recently I'm blanking on who it was on Friday night that, uh, um, held on to it. It was a Denver. Oh no, Denver burned a challenge. That's what it was. Denver burned it against Pelicans, burned a challenge uh, or burned their challenge on a, on a, a call that wasn't going to get overturned. And they didn't have one later when the out of bounds call went against them. And the last two minute report confirmed it was a bad call. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you see these coaches want to keep that in their back pocket for late in the game, but you're right. And at that, at that moment with the wolves trailing and they were down by so much for, or, you know, kind of hanging around the eight to 12 point deficit for so much of the game. It did seem kind of crazy that um, that that seems to be a situation where you want as much as you can. You, you you want to risk that challenge to try and keep your best player on the floor as much as possible. And it was an iffy call. Um, and even like on that last possession, when Ant got a six foul, it was I think what Ant was actually called for in a six foul wasn't a foul, but he fouled at least once before that when he you know reached in. And I think the ref was just kind of fi- finally like, all right, you're you're clearly just bodying him up. You're you, you know. Everybody knows you think we're not going to follow you out. So like, uh, here, here you go. Here's your sixth foul. All right, let's talk about our friends at game time. And then I want to get into the fourth quarter. Talk about that. So uh, when it comes to game time, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You can see the view from your seat before you buy too. So you know exactly what to expect. When you arrive at your event, all in prices show you your total up front. So you know that you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. You can buy your tickets in seconds with two taps. And also they have zone deals. So you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code lockdown NBA for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, a created account and redeem the code locked on NBA L O C K E D O N N B A right there on your screen on YouTube for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about a little bit more about the fourth quarter. Um, we talked already about Ant and, and the foul trouble. I thought in general, the fourth quarter was uh, obviously the best quarter the Wolves played. I thought on both ends, they played well um, for both Ant and Cat to play the final like six, I think eight minutes, maybe even with five fouls. Um, obviously, Ant did foul out, but he. I mean, I guess he wasn't as aggressive defensively as you'd like to see, but he wasn't all night, and yet he still was in foul trouble. But when it comes to Cat, um, defensively and offensively, like how often have we seen? I think the last two years, Cat has led the league in terms of uh, percentage of his fouls that are, come on the offensive end of the floor. Um, and we haven't seen a ton of that this year, save for maybe one or two games. And I thought even on offense with five fouls, and I'm not only talking about the last possession, which I, I do want to discuss, I thought he was being aggressive trying to get positioned, you know, trying to get commanding the ball um, and driving aggressively, 
but not out of control. It was like the right balance from Carl Anthony Towns of not just fading away to, you know, like fading away from the action to try and not pick up that six foul, but also not playing out of control as we've seen him do in the past with that stray voltage stuff. This was, to me, the, a very balanced performance from Cat, and it clearly was the best player on the floor for the Wolves throughout this game. Um, but I, the last, you know, six, eight minutes playing with five fouls was really, really impressive. Yeah, I just I, I I'm struggling to think of how many players I would rather have than Carl Anthony Towns with the ball at the nail and in a clear out situation. I mean, every single seemingly every single time he got the ball there, uh, all night, but really in that fourth quarter, whether he shot the ball on the drive, whether he you know made a pass off the drive, whether he you know asked for a screen, whether he you know kind of did his jab, pump fake jab, and then realized nothing was there. So he got off of it and got it back. It's just like every part of his offensive process from there, I think was awesome. And, and you're starting to see kind of a shift in this Timberwolves offense that Chris Finch is playing through Carl Anthony towns in the fourth quarter of these games. And um, you know, that's nothing against Anthony Edwards, but I, I think that, you know, while Ant has his, you know, no doubt or superstar moments in the fourth quarter, like it just seems like when they've been playing through Carl as an offensive hub at that spot, the process has been much better and it's been creating you know, more open looks for Carl and his teammates. And I think it's a more sustainable way of, you know, trying to create mismatches and, and, you know, a lot putting the ball in one of your best players hands to, um, you know, to score to play make. And I think the more that they're able to prove this concept, the more they're going to be able to go to it. And the more that you're going to start to see two to Carl in the middle of the floor and open things up for everyone else around him. So um, yeah, but really impressive for Carl. Five assists, zero turnovers, um, had 12 points in the fourth, three of three shooting, made all five of his free throws. Um, just really, you know, put the screws to that defense and, and collapsed it in every which way. And uh, every single time they needed him to make a play, he made the right play. He didn't try to force a shot or force a pass. Like you were saying, he, he was really, it was like a perfect, like you were saying, this perfect balance of patience, but also going quick, but not rushing it. Like it's, yep. Hard to describe, but it's uh, it's exactly what it was from him. Well, and, and Wolves fans know, like after watching, you know, seven years or whatever of Carl Anthony Towns, that like you know it when you see it, what that balance is, and it's a very fine line. And I think it, this is a whole other topic that I could talk about forever on on the on the Lockdown Wolves show. Uh, but like the 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 national narrative about Cat is one thing, and I think sometimes, um, I, I think even like. Speaking for all Wolves fans, I guess people get, you know, on like really worried about the stray voltage stuff or really worried, locked in on the defensive issues. But like there is a fine line and you could just see it when he's it's it's one of those nights. And it was almost right away. I think it was the very first possession of the game. The Wolves ran a dribble handoff action and Cat was kind of on the kind of like the left mid post. And he made a decision right away. I'm just going to give this to Ant and Ant got off a shot in the quarter and made it. Um, and Cat got his first assist of the night right there. But sometimes it could be like getting over aggressive, backing somebody down or whatever, um, where he's not in the most advantageous position. But from that moment, it kind of felt like, okay, Cat's got this the right balance tonight. You talked about his fourth quarter stats. He finished the game with 29 points. He was 10 of 11 shooting. He only attempted two threes, and they were those two made threes in the fourth quarter. He hadn't attempted a three all night. Um, and this is an example of in the past, he would have had to deal with Jonas Valanciunas himself pretty much um, in the paint. And Valanciunas was awesome in this game. Instead, Rudy Gobert had to deal with him. And yes, Valanciunas for a good chunk of the game was the best big on the floor. I, I guess maybe the first half safely, I think you could say. Um, and he finished with 26 and 11, had an efficient game himself. But almost half of that production was early, early. Like he had 11 or 13, some, something like that in the first quarter. 
and Rudy had to deal with him. And Cat was, you know, didn't necessarily have that matchup for the entirety of the game um, on both ends of the floor, at least. And finished with 29, nine assists. He easily could have had a couple more. Shake Milton missed a weird layup under the basket. There were a couple passes that he had to open shooters where they just missed. Um, so he easily could have had a point assist double double. But 29, nine, six rebounds, two blocks. He missed one shot from the field, was seven of eight at the line and was a plus nine and played the last several minutes with five fouls. It's really hard to ask for much more out of Carl Anthony Towns. Let's talk about Rudy's game. Rudy finished with a 17, a line of 17 and 11. Yes, he missed a pair of free throws late in the game that were enormous in the moment, but he'd also made a couple of really big free throws a couple of minutes before that and was 7 of 10 from the line. Struggled with Valanciunas early, but in general, again, a pretty solid Rudy Gobert game. It wasn't it was certainly better than what we saw Tuesday and Wednesday for most of those games from Rudy, but it wasn't quite to the level of what we'd seen, you know, last week when the Wolves were on this winning streak and he was looking every bit the part of the defensive player of the year, Rudy. He had some moments where he struggled defensively in this game and, and seemed a half step slow, but it was another, again, good enough to win, solid in big moments down the stretch, has a presence in the paint, even though he finishes with one block shot. Um, I, I thought it was another decent Rudy Gobert performance. Yeah, and I think, you know, I wanted to make this point, you know, in, in this little last segment that we had, but I think it plays perfectly here is that, you know, when you talk about Valanchunas, you know, dealing with Rudy or Rudy dealing with Valanchunas on offense, um, it, it's it's huge because most, uh, you know, NBA starting fives are the first sub out, right, if you look around the league. And that allows Carl Anthony Towns to then shift to the five. And a lot of these teams now in the modern NBA have small ball fives as their backup fives. And that's what's allowing Carl to, you know, kind of cut out some of the stray voltage stuff is that these smaller fives aren't quite as physical, which is important. And what Rudy's, Rudy's been doing this all year where he battles inside with all these fives and kind of, you know, you know, kind of sets Carl up to be able to attack these fours. And I think tonight's a great example of where you don't really notice Rudy Gobert the whole game. Um, but then in these moments, he just makes these super small plays. And like, yes, he missed both free throws at the end of the game. But keep in mind that the possession on which he drew a foul, he, you know, forced a ball out of bounds that went off of, I think, Najee Marshall and got the Wolves another opportunity to then go two for one, right? So, um, you know, it was just a lot of plays like that. Um, he did a really good job. He spaced more to the corner uh, in this game, which was the first time we saw that all year, he did take a corner three, which I thought was, um, was, was pretty funny, but um, you know, that's something that I think Carl Anthony Towns has to be pretty excited about is that there's a huge difference from when Rudy is at the block or the short corner from when he's all the way to the corner. Like even though Rudy Gobert is not a shooter, you saw that Valanchunas kind of was dragged more out to that, um, that short corner area. And when Carl was a driver, it opened up a lot more open passing opportunities. We saw a corner crash lob uh, to Rudy from Carl. Um, and the other thing with Gobert too, is I think, um, you know, he, he's so smart about when to contest and when to stay in to rebound, which is something that I think, um, you know, really compromised the Wolves defense before, uh, before he got here uh, when Carl was the five. And, and that's something that like you don't ever really realize when you're watching the game. But when you go back and watch a game or, or you're subtly watching out for those things, um, you know, they really make a difference. And uh, and the other thing, too, I think here is like, you know, some of these moments when Ant and Carl were both on the bench uh, and, and they had that Anderson at the four, Gobert at the five. Rudy was setting so many just rock solid A plus screens for for Kyle Anderson that allowed Kyle to snake into the lane and, and score. I think he had eight points or, or something like that in the, in the first half, which was really important. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's all the little things for Gobert. And tonight was a perfect example. And um, you got to pat him on the back for sure for going seven of 10 for the free throw line. Um, you know, no question about it.
Let's talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season well underway now, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball. Tomorrow's Sunday, perfect time to do it. Check out the NBA schedule and go check out what's happening in the football world. A league... Uh, created specifically for combo projections is called the Specials League. You can include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you could take LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 point combo of three-pointers made and receptions. You could pick more than or less than that number and watch your winnings roll in. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, if you have a player who exits in the first half and does not return in the second that player's rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash NBA. Code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the Wolves bench here as we uh, as we wrap up the show. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Anderson; he was big, especially in the first half. Um, and it was one of those where, like, it, it just it didn't in the moment it didn't feel like the impact was that great. But when you go back and look at it, it's like, wait a minute! Like they were really struggling offensively. He hit a couple of those floaters, those kind of push shots he does from 10, 12 feet. He finished with five assists and. Only one turnover. It was a really bad turnover, and that's what sticks in my head. But then you look at the line, and it's like, man, he had a good game. Um, Shake Milton, another rough game. He had scored on back-to-back possessions, I think, in the second quarter and otherwise was pretty quiet. Um, was a team worse minus 16. Nobody else was even close to that. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, fantastic in this game. I think we should talk a little bit about him. Um, yet another strong performance. I think he's like five out of the last six performances where you'd look at it and say, this was an AA-plus performance from Alexander Walker and against the, his former team too, hit a couple of threes, uh, 10 points on seven shots, three assists for him, a steal, a block, another strong game from Nikhil Alexander Walker and, and lately has been the most impactful player off the bench for the Wolves. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, the biggest thing for, for Nikhil is his confidence is there on the offensive end of the floor, right? I actually think that Nikhil hasn't been all that great defensively. I think he's been getting beat off the dribble. Uh, quite a lot in in the last the last couple of games here, but but focusing on his offense, I mean, this, the Timberwolves, I, I think, don't really try to fight back as hard as they could to win that game. If if he doesn't go on that quick five zero burst, um, you know, Nikhil made a huge, uh, you know, made a got a huge steal and then a pick six uh, at the seven thirty two mark of the fourth quarter to bring it from a fourteen point game to a twelve point game, uh, and then. Uh, makes a just a confident pull-up transition three uh, to to cut it to seven at the seven oh one mark and and in that five oh run there I think completely changed the complexion of the game I think you know really you know kind of showed the rest of his teammates like hey like you know this game isn't over uh, no we still got a shot and I think that um, you know and then I think he made another um, I think he made another three later in the game um, or, or missed one but but still it was like a wide open confident stroke and, and that's just you know he's just such an impactful player when he's he's confident offensively we saw him early in the season when he didn't have that same confidence and it was almost like you know the wolves were playing four on five offensively um you know and then when you when you get all all of his point of attack defense uh mixed with the confidence um you know it's really just crazy how, how much deeper this timberwolves team is when they go from you know a seven you know a really strong seven 
man rotation uh, with, with Anderson and Nas to then make it a really strong eight. Like there, it sounds like it's not that big of a difference, but it really is a huge, a huge difference for, for a team like the Timberwolves who uh, were battling foul trouble tonight and, and really needed every contribution they got off the bench. And, and they certainly do not win this game without that, um, you know, kind of that, you know, an injection of life that, that Nikhil Alexander Walker gave, gave him tonight in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and the end of, we've talked about this, I think before on, on the postcast, or maybe it was on the basketball party on, on a, on a Wednesday, but the, um, the, the depth of this team, like at the end of last year, I mean, remember after the deadline, Alexander Walker wasn't in the rotation for the first couple of games. And then not long after he joins the rotation, you start having some of those injuries, the Nas wrist injury, and then eventually the McDaniels uh, hand injury. And so you were still having guys like Austin Rivers as part of the regular eight, nine man rotation, even playing minutes in the playoffs. And now this year, obviously, um, health is always a thing that matters. But like Troy Brown Jr. is your 10th guy and Josh Minot's probably your 11th guy and McLaughlin will come back and and you're in a much better position when those guys are your, hey, when someone's out for a night or or rests on a back-to-back or um, is in foul trouble. Like that's just a deeper bench than they've had even last season or going back two years when they were the sixth seed. So that certainly makes the difference over the course of a season. We're still only, what, 12 games in um, and we're already starting to see how that benefits just again, that top nine on a night to night basis. Cause that's a legit top nine. And, and, you know, you take it against almost anybody else in the league. Uh, next up for the wolves that have the Knicks on today's Saturday on Monday night. Um, yeah. The Knicks lost tonight to, or excuse me, beat, beat the Hornets tonight, man. They've won six out of the last seven. The Knicks have um, now the schedule hasn't been crazy. They've had the Hornets, wizards, Hawks, They've also beaten oh, they've beaten the Hornets twice over their last seven. They've also beaten the Spurs and then the Clippers back uh, shortly after the Harden trade, I believe. Um, so they've won six out of seven. Their only loss coming against the Celtics. Obviously, the Knicks are good. It'll be nice for the Wolves to get back to Target Center um, here after a five-game road trip. So it uh, should be fun Monday night. Uh, top of your head, anything to look, look out for on Monday? Yeah, I'd just like to make a quick announcement that the Minnesota Timberwolves are a, officially the, the number one seed in the Western Conference now that the Bucs have beaten the, the Dallas Mavericks. So the Timberwolves are alone atop the Western Conference table. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- it'll be a really interesting game. I think, um, you know, this the Knicks have kind of played a similar brand of basketball to the Wolves where they've really tried to get things into the half court. Um, and Mitchell Robinson has been, you know, the Rudy Gobert for for. The Knicks. He's been tremendous. He's been the best offensive rebounder in the league while while you know providing them elite rim protection. Um, and has kind of done all the dirty things for that defense. And then, you know, Jalen Brunson has been fantastic. I think he's averaging like 28 and six over that, you know, that stretch that you talked about. Um, and the Knicks now are just starting to get uh, RJ Barrett back as well. I think RJ Barrett played tonight for the first time in, in over a week because he's been dealing with some migraine issues. Um, and then Julius Randle has also, you know, similarly to Brunson, really found his his stroke. So I think, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is going to have to win that, that one-on-one matchup with, uh, with Julius Randle. And then, you know, you got to hope that, um, you know, Jalen Brunson will, will struggle a little bit with the the length that, uh, that Jaden McDaniels can, can put on him and that, you know, Ant and RJ is kind of a wash. Um, and then hope that from there that, that your depth wins out, but the Knicks, uh, the Knicks bench pieces, you know, been playing really, really well of late. I think Dante DiVincenzo had like 25 points tonight, uh, was his best game so far as a, as a Nick. So, um, it'll be a really good test for a team that likes to play a similar way and it'll kind of be strength on strength when you get in the half court, um, you know, kind of a grind fast defensively. So 
Um, it'll be a fun one, but you know, hard not to hard not to like the Wolves in a situation like that, considering uh, how well they've played at home this season, um, and you know how excited they'll probably be to to get home after after a five game trip. But we all know uh, if you you kind of look at the statistics around the league, um, the the first home game back after a long road trip, home teams uh, are are absolutely horrendous. So it'll be kind of an interesting litmus test for the Wolves, who have a, a really important week when you consider um, you know the fact that. They play Philadelphia, I believe, on Wednesday, and then on, yeah. on Friday next week, uh, they play the Kings in the in-season tournament. Uh, just means more. Um, and if they win that game, they'll they'll be moving on to the knockout round of of the in-season tournament, which will be fun. So, big week, and it uh, all starts Monday. Five out of the next seven games at home starting Monday against Tibbs and the New York Knicks, and Tibbs returned to Target Center. Uh, of course, we'll go live on the locked. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.